0: Hi, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbaugh. Colin Powell held an enormous place in Washington. He was a four-star general, the first black secretary of state, and for years, one of the most trusted voices in politics. He was also the one tasked with making the case for the Iraq war, using, let's call it bad intelligence, that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. Powell's word pushed public opinion in support of the war at the time but it also tarnished his legacy of pathbreaking service. Powell died Monday at 84 years old, and this interview from 2012 with NPR's Robert Siegel catches him at this interesting time. Powell had just written a memoir called It Worked for Me,
1: and you can hear him gingerly approach the Iraq War with the benefit of a few years' hindsight. Here's the interview. Colin Powell has a new book out. It's called It Worked for Me in Life and Leadership. It's a mix of lessons learned, anecdotes, tales from the life of the professional public speaker, right down to what's wrong with the modern business hotel. And it also includes some candid reflection on the most controversial moments in General Powell's career, the lead up to the war in Iraq and his presentation to the U.N. Security Council on evidence of Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass destruction. Secretary of State Powell, welcome. Thank you very much, Robert. Uh, first, there is a theme throughout your stories from your days in ROTC at the City College of New York right up to becoming chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. You loved the United States Army.
0: I love the United States Army. I entered the City College of New York just short of my 17th birthday. A kid, not sure where he was going. His mother said, take engineering. That's what you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, engineering didn't take to me. And what saved me and kept me in college is I ran into ROTC cadets who were in a fraternity called the Pershing Rifles, and I found my place. I found discipline, I found structure, I found people that were like me and I liked, and I fell in love with the Army uh, that first few months in ROTC, and it lasted for the next 40-odd years. You never fell out of love. Never yeah. fell out of love. You know, people have
1: asked me, what would you have done if you had gone in the Army? I said, I'd probably be a bus driver. I don't know. In this book, uh, you write what you describe as your first and last account of the famous uh, uh, presentation to the U.N. Security Council on Iraqi weapons of mass destruction, weapons that turned out not to exist. First of all, it's pretty clear from your writing about this, this still rankles. I mean, this this episode is something that you haven't been able to completely leave behind. Oh, I'll never leave behind
0: because it was the most uh, vivid presentation of the intelligence information that we had. And it was designed to be the most vivid presentation. That's why we did it at the U.N., and I spent a great deal of time getting that presentation ready. And so everybody sort of remembers that. But the case for war was being made over a period of months and had been accepted by the president, by other world leaders, and certainly by an overwhelming vote of the Congress. But nevertheless, I will always be the one that sort of, hey, he presented it to the U.N. And when I presented it to the U.N., uh, I had every assurance from the intelligence community that the information I had was correct. Turned out not to be.
1: Some of it turned out not to be. You're right that the draft that you and then CIA Director Tenet were presented with hadn't actually come through the National Security Council at the White House. It came, through, it came from Vice President Cheney's office. That's right, but I didn't know that at the time. I knew
0: uh, when the president asked me to make the presentation, I knew that the NSC was supposed to have been working on it, and therefore I would get something that was a near-finished document. And when I got it and talked to Scooter about it— Scooter Libby, who who is an old friend of mine. uh, He said he had wrote it up as a lawyer's draft, and I wasn't aware that he was the person who was working on it within the White House. And so it was not connected to the intelligence material, and so I couldn't use it as it was given to me, and that's when we went into a four-day— intensive preparation to get the intelligence information. And I was shocked when I asked George Tenet, uh, hey, why isn't this stuff connected? Yeah. He said we had nothing to do with it. Went into the White House and we never saw it again. And it was only a couple of years later that Condi, uh, Condi Rice, uh, now Secretary of State, then National Security Advisor, but she mentioned to me... Uh, Oh, by the way, you know it was uh, Mr. Cheney asked uh, the president if Scooter could do it because he thought it ought to be done as a legal brief and uh, not the way I would have preferred to have seen it.
1: Uh, you remark that uh, when CIA officials later wrote their accounts of this and remarked on how bad the intelligence had actually been, you say, "Where were those guys when the National Intelligence Estimate was being?" Yeah, and, and some, of them, some of them, some of them say that they tried to get it up to the top levels
0: of the CIA that those sources should not be used. Uh, but it, it was a little disturbing after, you know, my presentation and then the intelligence uh, information, some of it, not all of it, the intelligence information fell apart. These folks who were in the system were saying, well, we know that never should have been used by Powell. Well, then it shouldn't have been used by the president and it shouldn't have been used by the Congress, it shouldn't have been available to anybody.
1: Now that uh, I think we're at the end of the war in Iraq uh, and we can see some arc of what happened there... For you, uh, both as a former Secretary of State, but also as someone who loves the Army, as you do, what's the takeaway from that experience, and what do you think the legacy for the U.S. Army is? The Army will
0: uh, take its lessons learned. They're excellent at looking into themselves and reflecting on what do we do right, what do we do wrong. I think they did quite well. I think there were some command issues that were not done well. A junior general should not have been suddenly given command of all Hmm. Of Iraq at that time, and some of the more senior commanders were sent home and The central command commander, General Franks essentially left and, and went into retirement. There was an assumption thinking that this was all just going to snap right back in place. It was going to be easy be once, easy, ba- yeah. once Baghdad fell. But it became obvious early on that that was not going to be the case, and even before then, I had spoken to General Franks about do you really have enough troops, Tommy, to really handle this? And he felt strongly that he did, and so did Mr. Rumsfeld, and they are the ones who are in charge of military planning and execution, and they said to the president that it was adequate. But,
1: General Powell, does that mean that the the legacy for the Army is that likely uh, no one will ever do anything without having... Three times as many troops as you could possibly imagine doing that. that I
0: can't predict that would be the legacy, nor would I say that the answer is always three times as many troops. It is you know, there's a chapter in the book called the Paradox, mm-hmm. where I say once you decided what the political objective is and that you have to go to war, put in enough troops to be decisive. In this instance, the decisive point that they focused on was the fall of Baghdad and the elimination of the regime. But as I cover in the book, that wasn't the end of the conflict. It was yeah. the beginning of a new phase of the conflict. And military planners should always be thinking about what happens after you accomplish that first thing. What else are you going to have to do? And we were not prepared to do that or think about it. Mission accomplished and uh, start thinking about bringing the troops home, whereas we should have been surging them at that point. And we
1: ended up having to surge them years later. Four years ago, uh, despite uh, your having spoken to two Republican national conventions and being very closely identified with Republican presidents, uh, you said uh, in October of 2008 that you would vote for President Obama. Uh, he's up for reelection. I, I think you're aware. I've noted. I uh, are noted. You, uh, are, do you think you will vote
0: for him again? Uh, I'm not prepared to say. I'm proud of the vote that I uh, cast for him in 2008. I think he was absolutely the right choice. Uh, I think he's done some very, very positive things to stabilize our financial system, to save the auto industry, uh, to bring some regulation into the mix. And we've ended one war, the one in Iraq. We're working on phasing out Afghanistan, and we haven't gotten in any new ones. But I always feel that as a private citizen and not really a political player, I want to hear what the other side has to say.
1: That's a pretty positive account you've just given Yes, but there
0: are some things that are not so positive. We didn't close uh, Guantanamo as I would have hoped, Mm -hmm. and we still had an unemployment rate that's too high, and the economy has not quite recovered. Uh, whether that's all the fault of the president or not will be up to the people to decide. But I've known Mr. Romney for many years. I mm-hmm. think he's a very uh, distinguished gentleman. And I want to hear what he has to say. I want to see what kind of policies. You're not just voting for an individual, in my judgment. You're voting for an agenda. You're voting for a platform. You're voting for a political philosophy. And I want to really hear what, uh, what Mr. Romney has to say about that now that he's gotten through the primaries where he had to act in a somewhat
1: different manner. You're waiting for the, as someone went for, said, for the Etch-a-Sketch to be to be shaken up a little oh, bit. Oh, no? I'm not going to talk about etch sketches I haven't seen one in 40 years. <laughs> Former Secretary of State General Colin Powell, thank you very much for talking with us today. Thank you, Robert. And uh, Colin Powell's new book is called It Worked for Me in Life and Leadership.